Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Buenas noches, señoras y señores. Esta noche es domingo, el 7 de abril 2013, y es el tiempo de playtime con Sandra Londres. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Sunday, April 7th, 2013, and you're now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, broadcasting to you live from the sunny springtime beaches of Southern California in connection with Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Digital Podcast, and Naked Girls Radio. The song you just heard uh, was a song called Pieces of You by Dub Seeds, uh, courtesy of Naked Girls Radio. And I will be right back with you um, after this next song. I just found this song just the other day. I thought it was pretty sweet, <laughs> and I hope you will enjoy it, um, among others. Uh, it is called Aqua, and is by Impex. <laughs>
that was The Fallen by Serpent Underground. Uh, yes, so everyone out there, hello, hello again. It's me, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, and I just want to wish a happy birthday to everyone who's had a birthday within the past week. Um, and uh, some, there's a few famous birthdays. I'll go ahead and list those real quick. Uh, Joel Rubicon, French chef. Uh, John Oates of Holland Oates. Jackie Chan, Christopher Darden, Buster Douglas, Russell Crowe, Bill Bellamy, Guillaume Depardieu, uh, Tiki Barber, April O'Neil, adult film actress, and Alexis Jordan. Um, and what else? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'll wait for a little bit. I was gonna. I don't think I've done the whole astrological thing in quite some time, so I feel kind of bad to like restart it again simply because my birthday falls in the same time frame for Aries. But I don't think I've done like Capricorn, Sagittarius, um, what's the other ones? Um, 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 Aquarius, Pisces. My bad. So I'm going to think about it. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. Um, but yeah, for this evening, I will do a live reading of um, two or three uh, selections. One of them will be Pink Cookies. One of them will be Buenos Aires versus Nashville, Who'd Have Thunk It? And uh, the last would be Chapter 2 of Alice in Wonderland, or Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, excuse me, Lewis Carroll. Uh, and that will be towards the end of the show for that last one. Um, I just want to give you a call-in number. It's 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. And I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Jess of Naked Girls Radio, who is currently in the process of moving her studio uh, for Naked Girls Radio. Um, and so I can just say I feel you, girl. <laughs> moving is rough and difficult and like, yeah, so I um, hope everything's going well with your studio, um, and I look forward to hearing more about the upcoming uh, SexCon in Chicago. Uh, that will be happening towards the end of this month, everyone out there, uh, April, and you can check that out. Just go ahead and Google Chicago SexCon. I interviewed the organizer of that just a few weeks back, uh, back in June, not June, January, excuse me, January 2013, so you can get more intel about all that and uh, update yourself. (laughs) But there you are. Um, And I also wanted to um, say a uh, rest in peace to Roger Ebert um, and to Anne Smedinghoff, the U.S. diplomat who was killed in Afghanistan. Um, yes. But anyways, I'm going to play a song real quick, and I'll be back with some news, and I'll start the first live reading um, of tonight's show. So here you are. Uh, for the next song, I will do Happening for Lulu um, by Krauss, and then I'll be right back with you.
That was Happening for Lulu by Kraus, courtesy of freemusicarchives.org. Okay, so I'll start out uh, my first reading, um, which will be Buenos Aires versus Nashville. Who'd have thunk it? And I just want to preface it by saying um, that I hope that um, things get better in Buenos Aires at the present moment because they just had a natural disaster, um, of which there have been many in the past, like, couple of years. But yes, I hope everyone is doing okay out there right now. Anyways, all right, Buenos Aires versus Nashville. And this is a trip journal I wrote, revisited, originally written on August 4th, 2008. Okay, Buenos Aires versus Nashville. Da -da. Who could have known that I'd have to eat my own words regarding a comparison I'd hastily voiced in relation to Argentina when I was confronted with the actual comparison itself, the Duddy South. <laughs> I flew to Buenos Aires with Air Canada by way of Toronto, YYZ Airport, and Santiago, Chile, arriving a full 24 hours later at the bottom of the world. It was May 18, 2008, and I had picked ECELA, a Latin immersion class, as my language program a few weeks prior to celebrate my quarter lifehood. I had my family guy DVDs to keep me busy, and the movie selection aboard was not too shabby. Luckily, I chose the night flight. The Toronto-Santiago leg was glossed over while I slumbered. The connecting Santiago to Buenos Aires flight was its own story. My gosh, I couldn't stay awake for the life of me. I'd be sitting up calmly watching the virtual map on my screen, and next thing I know, I was rescuing my forehead from the pull-out tray. I. When I arrived at Azaza Airport, I felt a bit like I did in the Dubai airport. Swarms of people every which away, predominantly male, and unlike the Dubai airport, decidedly lecherous. I struggled for a bit to find the car, which was to transport me to my accommodations. Mercifully, a young 20-something porteño had heard of my program and helped me to be on my way. Sitting in the chartered taxi, I vainly attempted to make small talk with the driver, but it proved futile. My Spanish was very rusty, and I'd never quite learned how to speak it more than present and preterite. <laughs> As we approached the city center, I saw a lot of beautiful statues and parks, places I'd make a mental note to check out once I'd settled in. But then, oh, but then, wait for it, wait for it. We drive a few more blocks, and the streets become a little less clean, the graffiti a little too prominent, the storefronts a little too run down. Well, hey, whatever, no big deal, right? Um, so we find the apartment building I would call home for the next two weeks, and the driver offers to ring up to the tenant to make sure there was no communication. There were no communication problems. Guinness la chica, la I'm all what? The only time I'd heard that term regularly was in middle school, and it was not meant to be taken nicely. So I was a bit like, uh, okay, I guess this isn't SoCal or something. The tenant was actually a pretty nice woman in her mid to late 30s and a local fashion designer. Just my luck. <laughs> the very first night, I bought a light, a light windbreaker jacket from her before we all headed out to dinner. All equals me, she, um, sorry, 
her design partner, her guy friend, an Australian dude who had been in my language program. I was sticking around taking private classes and her mother and the other designer's mom. We headed out to eat at about 11 p.m., which is typical of Porteños and of Latin culture in general. So I've heard. The meal and resulting conversation lasted nearly three hours until I could barely stifle my exhaustion. I was looking forward to having much more than a cat nap. My room was charmingly decorated with a twin bed, a bureau, a nightstand, television, and the two kitties, Salvador and G, who invaded at every given opportunity. Those cats were hands down the most energetic dog-like pussies I've ever, ever met. Salvador, in particular, would just jump on my laptop or crawl all over my back with very little warning. Oh, but the tiger in him did indeed come out. A few days in, he jumped on my bed after I'd come home from checking out the mall in, Pal in Palermo. I leaned forward in front of him, softly cooing, Salvador. <laughs> and what does he do? He proceeds to leap off the bed in one single bound, directly aiming his tiny, wiry body towards my face, like a starfish. Only a starfish with claws <laughs> from hell. I jumped back in just enough time to save my face from reconstructive surgery, and uh, the wall collided with his face. <laughs> Served him right. Does that mean? Well, he ran out of the door and never tried that shit again. Although he did like biting me, feisty critter. But I digress. So, I missed my first day of class due to my overwhelming case of the sleepies, but I made it to the language center the next day. I placed into the intermediate level and was due to come back later that evening, and from then on, from 2 to 6 p.m., five days a week. I walked to and from class nearly every day over the two-week program. I was so very happy to have some sort of routine I could count on. The center was situated in Recoleta, which is an upscale district about a 20-minute walk from my apartment. The shift in architecture, pollution, noise, and the temperament of the locals was such a jarring contrast. My apartment was in the San Nicolas district, which is an area which just borders the main downtown area and has an abundance of restaurants, although predominantly Italian. A lot of small family-owned businesses appeared to dominate, although there were plenty of mass market shops as well. Being on foot, I encountered way more than my fair share of pollution, dirt, and exhaust coming from the cars and buses at every single stoplight. I don't know how many times I had to blink and tear up and dab at my eyes because of dirt getting beneath my contact lenses. Recoleta had a lot less tra through traffic and thus less pollution, and the streets were better maintained. The people much more aloof and deep in their own thoughts than my hood and St. Nick. Aside from there, in small pockets of Palermo and Palermo Soho, I just couldn't be left to myself. I was given outright hostile stares from a lot of the local women and weird smiles from the men. If I may be so bold to make this assumption, I would wager that I was mistaken for a Portuguese-speaking Brazilian more often than not, rather than a brown Anglophone Americana, and thus I had to deal with whatever came along with it. I had ar a <laughs> I had armed myself beforehand with plenty of knowledge about the ethnic quote-unquote experience in South America and purchased cultural guides and books with specific reference of Argentina. 
yet I'm not sure if anything could have prepared me for the often icy reception I would attract. It was awful difficult attempting to blend in and just be a tourist. It didn't happen there. Buenos Aires was the one nut I couldn't crack. I'd read plenty about Portenos being a proud people and priding themselves on their Europeanness. <laughs> I was prepared for that, and I felt that having lived in Paris would be the best primer for this kind of thing. No? Heck no. The level to which a lot of the locals I encountered were mistrustful of uh, darker-skinned foreigners was downright distressing at times. I've been to many countries, although admittedly the majority are in Western Europe, and I've dealt with feeling out of sorts. However, unfortunately, I truly felt like I had entered the Twilight Zone circa antebellum south. Americans and Europeans who visit who are Caucasian or Latin in appearance will most definitely fare better than I did. I would not discourage anyone with interest from going, but it took a stiff upper lip to deal with people there at times. I mean, perhaps it was a tip-off to you readers that I was more interested in the apartment cats than people while there from my earlier descriptions, and I rarely ever find cats amusing, with few exceptions. Note, surprisingly, I've been converted into an all-around cat lover since about late 2008. I hesitated to write my travel experience in Buenos Aires because I wanted to find something really awesome about my trip to redeem it and negate the less than spectacular aspects. I can normally overlook a lot of things that go wrong, especially in the name of travel, but this one was... <sighs> in closing, I will summarize what was actually pretty neat about being there, and I'll try and curtail the cringeworthy factors. Pros. The U.S. dollar is actually worth something there. The ratio is about 3 to 1 to the Argentine peso, or it was at that time. The food was incredible and cheap. Every single meal I had was worth remembering, and I favored every bite. It was right up there with the quality of cuisine in Paris and New York, although I had to take a few points off for lack of variety. Uh, it is close to Montevideo, Uruguay, Aguazu Falls, and Bariloche, uh, which is a well-renowned ski resort uh, town in northern Argentina. Uh, the language program was the best one I've ever participated in, and I got a 94 out of 100 on my final exam. Uh, there, are only, there are only five people in my class, and the instructor, a local Portania, was extremely effective. She certainly made Spanish lessons something to look forward to. A lot of the trivia games brought forth my competitive side with gusto. Como quieres esa manzanas? <laughs> Cons? Okay, lots of graffiti and trash in a bunch of areas where I was, anyway. The rich-poor dichotomy is extremely apparent. Unwelcoming, suspicious locals, the pollution, uh, and this was the very first time when traveling by myself actually sucked. <laughs> all in all, though, I'd return to Argentina, although not by myself. I'm actually more keen on checking out Brazil or other nearby South American countries with or without a travel partner. Now Nashville, woohoo! Oh my stars! It exceeded my expectations and then some. I flew with Southwest and spent a long weekend immersed in near nonstop country music, southern cuisine, palatial estates, friendly smiles, and the genre of hot, humid weather you can only get back east slash southeast. Aside from Carrie Underwood, Shania, and Faith Hill, I am none too familiar with the country music genre. 
dare I say, I became the biggest new fan of country slash folksy singer Marshall Chapman. She was performing at the Bluebird Cafe along with three other singer-songwriters. I was taken away instantly with her magnetic storytelling and soulful, spirited, baritone voice. A scenic drive through the Bellmead section of the city showcased the grand homes, which instantly evoke images of Tara and Gone with the Wind. Do they still name houses these days? I was told no, but damn it, I'll name them if they won't. <laughs> these homes were like people. Home is a dirty four-letter word that just ain't fitting. The following night, a visit to the Grand Ole Opry was a novel experience as we were able to, to stand on the stage while the performers cranked out their tunes, rhinestones glittering, glittering <laughs> boots a-shining, toes a-tapping. I know I'm corny, but you kind of had to be there. Uh, I enjoyed myself immensely. I'm hankering to return and check out more of Music City and all that it has to offer. A big kiss to the citizens of Nashville for being so sweet and kind, progressive, and welcoming during my way too short visit. The end. Yes, so that was written, um, originally written August 4th, 2008. Um, and since I have not returned to Argentina, I cannot say my feelings of my trip have changed, but I can say that um, I can confirm that I would, yes, yeah, still return, just not alone. <laughs> and there were some really cool aspects of being there, um, so this is just my personal take on it. So do not want to dissuade anyone at all from ever going, because there are some great parts. And Nashville needs no introduction. I'm sorry, the place is awesome. It was really cool. I liked it very much. But there you are. That was Buenos Aires versus Nashville. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, written by yours truly, Sandra London. And let me give you a song here real quick, and then I'll be right back with you. Uh, call in numbers 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. And I will play Materia by Impex. Here you go.
Who are you anyway? Tell me. A chair. A chair? I've never seen a chair like you before. Are you in rock and roll? Are you related to Sharon and Ozzy? Is that it? Is that who you are? Can I be on your show? I've got tons of magic tricks and animals who can fly and sing prettier than a bird. Shall I audition? Must I begin now? Do you have a platform and water for my toes? It's, it's kind of my thing, you know. I This is how I get into a character every now and again. Yes, yes. Okay. I will sit on you indeed. You've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. I will come and sit upon them. If I triple, will you go not? I am on the rod, and my little animal, prettier than a bird, she is going to sing with me. Right now, he is asleep, but I call him Fifi. He is a teenage nightmare, <gasps> an old doggy skin, he's a teenage nightmare, he really likes chicken. <laughs> the end. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, that was Clint and Your Dent, um, a Living Grind production. <laughs> um, ad libs by yours truly. There's an actual script. It was all ad lib. Um, yeah. So it looks like I may not have enough time to do both Alice in Wonderland Chapter 2 and um, Pink Cookies. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. So uh, let's see. After the song, this very next song, I will go ahead and do, uh, I think I'm going to do Pink Cookies since I wrote that as like one of the features <laughs> for this evening's show. Uh, and I will do uh, Chapter 2. I do have my original version of Chapter 2 already available, um, and it's saved on MP3. I just have to post it, um, but I will make an updated version as well. 
and put that on uh, playtimewithsandra.com uh, so that anyone who'd like to listen can do so. But I will begin uh, Pink Cookies after this next song, Copo de Veneno by Karina Bueller. Copo de Veneno. Okay, here is uh, Pink Cookies, uh, which was published on Friday, September 7, 2012, on livinggrind.com. Okay, I'll start now. I was having intimate relations with those gentlemen, Monticelle begins. And was this before? Bobby and Hallworth pauses, or after you murdered them. Excuse me? Those 12 servicemen, the deceased, those soldiers who were slaughtered as they slept in their army barracks. Alana snorts audibly in spite of herself. You, the accused, you find all of this amusing, do you? 
Fabian Hallworth sneers menacingly, long and protractedly, embodying the well of fury he has undoubtedly incited. The maddening crowd is gathered to crow in the cob assembly at the feet of the fallen. Fabian pivots perfunctorily, swiveling half-mast in this firm, shiny black crocodile loafers. He positions himself forebodingly in front of the triers, a fact. Leaning in paternalistically, he squares his back to shield the people from the face of this diabolical entity, this amoral enemy of all things pure, just, and measured. The absence of sound is deafening, yet, despite any sign of provenance, a cool draft gradually appears to take hold and swirl about omnisciently, mingling amidst this stiflingly hot inferno. The slight breeze encapsulates the staid pallor of the halls of judgment and welcome contrast against the relentless sun on this scorching August afternoon. Would you like to explain for us here today exactly what, pray tell, you find humorous in regards to the charges of willful premeditated homicide, Miss Delay? Or do you wish to continue to make an absolute mockery of this court? No, sir, Lana counters. I would like only to make one thing unabashedly clear, and that is all. Lana proffers without reserve. I find you absolutely beyond belief. Lana stares straight ahead, looking directly into Statesman's parched face and blonde coif, trimmed to exacting precision. Lana mentally traces the outline of Fabian's sharp-shooting, piercing, blue-green eyes. Meeting her visual study slowly, down from the tip of his ruggedly handsome profile, she trails along the tip of his pious Roman nose to the proud jet of his Adam's apple on display. She works her way back up, right between the triangle of his profile. She peers once again into the eyes of her fate, which have hardened and narrowed into iron-fisted slits and closed off his insides. Fabian is hooded. Imperceptible to the uninitiated, it has become apparent to Lana that the veil of Fabian's mastery will remain in play, perhaps a while longer. She relishes the challenge. Lana's flippant disposition attracts sharp, incessant whispers throughout the courtroom as she continues to meet the glare of the contemptuous crowd. Nonplussed. She relaxes her shoulders, parts her lips, and smiles with false modesty, like a maiden in a meadow, not the shameful repose of the damned. Lana holds the same soft smile until the room is hushed once again, then stops. Lana elongates her spine and winks haughtily. Naturally, Fabian announces broadly in her direction as he turns to face her again, positioning his body in direct proximity to her elevated position on the witness stand. Naturally, 
he repeats evenly as the heat of his escalating anger begins to give rise to an involuntary stiffening of his junior member. Fabian clears his throat uncomfortably, mid-stride, struggling to retain a semblance of civility, restraint, and undefiled impotence. Fabian has kept the public transfixed up to this juncture, their collective fury hanging onto his every syllable of condemnation, divine utterance. His sudden pauses, growls, bellows, his every inflammation, intonation, and glittering generality, dazzling and mesmerizing. Fabian's spell is finely measured, ravenous, meticulous, and intoxicating. But now, if he could only look away. In one fortuitous meeting of the eyes, he is becoming undone. He is preparing to resume his living theater exposition. Until this instant, this has been otherwise old hat. Fabian is intending to provide a good finish, but not quite like this. As Lana's lids etched in onyx begin to lower slowly over her golden brown eyes, her attention is drawn down towards Fabian's midsection. Her eyes dart back up reflexively, dancing and full of impish surprise. She erupts, devolving compulsively into a hushed, raspy, girlish giggle that hastens into a feverish pitch. Alana can no longer contain her composure. Her golden brown breasts rise and fall in perfectly sculpted unison, each nipple becoming increasingly erect at the center of each mound of full, well-rounded flesh beneath her plain, loosely flowing peach blouse. Lana's mouth, inherently full and rose-colored, forms into a tightly wound circle as she allows each throaty, seasoned peal of laughter to escape her lips unbridled. The long, thick curls of her auburn-tented mane are thrust forward as she gives into the whims of her fit of pathological merriment. Fabian can hear the startled cacophony of the masses buzzing incessantly behind him. He can feel the weight of the curious glances of the jury across from him, the whispers swimming in waves of flurry as his head swells, making all things incongruous, absurd, and out of the realm of his control. Fabian dares not display the betrayal of his own manhood, this inexplicable stirring of vulgarity and passion, this lustful, wicked, animalistic urge to shove his seed right down deeply into Lana's pagan belly. Anything to wipe that sick, sadistic grin off her pretty little face. Whatever it would take to turn that raucous body laughter into a riotous scream of release. Fabian's pants tighten painfully, accommodating his appetite. His thighs give way to the gatherings of beads of sweat and splendor. The Honorable Claudius Rutherford Napoli interjects, beating his gavel furiously from way up high. Enough, 
Napoli affirms brusquely, looking pointedly at Fabian Hallworth. Lana jumps in her seat at the culmination of this intensity. Her overt derision has, at least momentarily, run its course. Fabian will remain immobile, ready, steady, flushed, swollen, mute. That is enough for today. The Honorable Napoli concludes. The end of part one of Pink Cookies, written by yours truly, Sandra London, and published on Friday, September 7th, 2012. Um, and that is a special oh, oy, 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 salute <laughs> to, where did it go? Oh, um, yes, the anniversary of the first draft of Corpus Drift. Civilis, a fundamental work in jurisprudence, which was issued by the Eastern Roman Emperor Justinian the First. There you are. Um, well, uh, okay, so sending you out for the evening. I will play. <laughs> Come on. I will play Monster by Prophet Forty Three, and see you all next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.